I just so for the first time when they had the uh, the Corpus Christi Comic Con, I was down there and I it was just me and my little girl and she's super like she'll just start talking to people. And so we were doing like a uh, little interview stuff and it was fun. I was like, I was like, I don't know what we're gonna do. And I'm just gonna go ask a random question to everybody we see. So the random question we kept asking everybody was like, what superhero do you think smells the worst? And it was so funny how many people were saying the Hulk. I'm like, really? That wasn't my first choice. That, I don't know. Everybody kept saying the Hulk. What would you think? I, I don't think the Hulk would be the one that smells the worst. I would think, I was, my first thought was like Wolverine. Or someone just dirty like Deadpool, like someone that looks like they just don't take shots. I would say Deadpool probably smells yeah. the worst. And we actually asked a, a Deadpool guy, and uh, he's like, probably me. And then he had a backpack full of unicorns, so that was funny. Yeah, all the leather, all the extra yeah, stuff that he's carrying around. I mean, Hulk's got no shirt, he's just walking around. Yeah, you know he's what just mean? free. Yeah, somebody with a lot of armor, that's probably mm. who smells the worst. You know, probably Tony Stark as Iron Man probably smells pretty bad. After nah, him. I picture him just like smelling fresh. Yeah, smelling like success. probably got something in there, right? Probably success, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, how you been, man? It's been a long time since uh Good. Since um, just work and family. Seems like years. I was in your restroom and I saw like all the like Ryan kids uh, mouthwash. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. the kid's house, man. Yeah. I know dude, that feels like. I got an eight and a four. Okay. It's kind of similar to what I have you got, a right? ten and an eight. Oh, so, so pretty, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty close. Yeah, we, we waited a little bit. I don't know if that was the best choice. But sometimes I kind of think that if we just would have kept them closer in age, it would have been less of a pain in the ass. Well, that's everybody. Like, everybody has, like, this dream goal. Like, okay, you're going to have your kids back to back to back, but life doesn't work that way, obviously. When we right. had our first kid, we it was, was by accident. It was not like, hey, you want to have a kid? We were just planning to get married. And then yeah. the kid came was like, oh, we got to get married and have a kid? It was a lot to take on right away. We... Yeah, it was kind of similar to us. We weren't planning our first one. But then, you no know, once, because we were young, man. I was 24. Mm-hmm. That's pretty had, young. When I had my first kid, I was 24. And then when I was 28, it's kind of like, all right, no, what's four, almost four. If we wait, the gap is going to be so big that they might not. Because I never had a brother mm-hmm. or sister. I never had any siblings. So I, I never really knew I was the only child. But Karen has two, three sisters and a brother. So she was going off of, hey, and this is the way it worked. Yeah, they're, they're all older. Mm-hmm. She's the youngest. Oh, so I was like, well, what's the biggest age gap between you and the sibling you feel the least connected to, you know? And obviously it's... My, the, my wife has oldest. five siblings. And so from the oldest to her, it's like 12, 15 years. Uh, so they were wow. like taking care of her like babysitter style. I mean, they were like yeah. there watching her when she was little. When I, when I was interviewing... Um, Carrie Payton, he said he was the oldest of like seven or something like that. And, you know, whenever he, he was supposed to, to play this the King Ezekiel in The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. um, when he had to take that kid on, he was like, man, I just felt like I was taking care of my brothers and sisters yeah. because I, that's how I felt <laughs> when I was growing up. Just the instinct to, just, hey, I got you, just stay right here. Yeah, you're just always the oldest. And I, I, I never knew what that felt like because I never had anybody. Just like all my cousins were all older. Um, we never really connect us. I was always playing. I by think myself it means a lot or... when the kids are little. Like just from the kids' perspective, I was telling my daughter this. When you're little, she has like a, a friend of hers who's one grade lower, and it seems like remember in school, like if you're a fifth grader, if you're talking to a fourth grader, it's like you might as well be talking to it like a baby. Sure. Yeah. And so I told her, I was like, when you get older, it's not really going to make a difference. It doesn't if matter. Someone's two years older, three years older, three years younger. I mean, my wife for a couple years apart, but when you're in school and you're growing up and your world changes so much, grade by grade by grade, then it's like, oh. I don't want to hang out with a baby. That's not my friend. Once you just get to college and you sit on a like stadium auditorium like seating and you see people of all ages, it kind of levels out. Yeah, yeah it just 
Everybody's in the same class. Like that was the thing with college exactly. when you got there. I remember because you went to AM, right? Mm-hmm. I remember being there and like you said, the big auditorium style classrooms and you see everybody and everyone's different ages. Everyone's just there in this one class, either because they're just starting out or maybe they came back or they're redoing it. Right. Just different reasons. But everybody kind of the playing field kind of levels out. And your professors too sometimes are even younger than you. Uh, well, I was pretty young. You had teachers. I mean, I didn't have any teachers younger than me, but I'd have people in my class that were like in their late forties or early fifties. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I was. And the teacher, I was, was that. Let's see, late. I was that early thirties guy in class that was like just trying to get stuff done. And I remember seeing that guy when I was younger, being like, "What's that guy doing here? Right, right. Leave me alone, bro. I don't want to hear about your cake party or whatever else you're doing." Yeah, I, I remember running into you at the Dugan Center. Mm-hmm. Um, you had. I don't know if you had just left C101 or you were still at C101. But um, I graduated probably two years before I left. Before you left? The radio. And that, what were you trying, because at the Dugan Center is a lot of kinesiology stuff. Like what, what kind of classes were you taking there at the Dugan? Because you you're not a kines major, are you? No, I was a business major. Oh, okay. um, there was a lot of classes I had to redo. So maybe something like that. What classes uh, were in the Dugan? I can't remember what building that is. Man, uh, Reference it by. Dugan's like the gym. The gym. I might have been just working out. It's probably just working out in between okay. classes. There were some days I wish I'd have planned them on certain days. That way I could knock out as many as possible with work and the kids. You're right. And, married. Yeah. and so, yeah, that was the only time in my life where like, I would go to class and then go run to the gym and then work out and then like individual showers because I had a phobia yeah. when I was little of like taking a shower in front of people. So take a shower, <laughs> wash my hair, relax for a little bit, and then go to the next class. So that's probably what I was doing. Yeah, because yeah, the gym was to your right, but if you kept walking, there was like a little area you could sit because the, the biomechanics lab was right oh, there. Oh, I was nowhere near there because I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> the biomechanics lab. If was, I was there, it's a mistake. And then there was like this little food shop like in the corner. And then if you kept going, there was like classes that would wrap around. Mm. And I remember running into you then uh, kind of like at the the moment where Rez was playing a lot. Yeah. Like we were playing a lot. I remember having that weekend. CD. It's funny. Dude, well, I was trying crazy. to think when I told my wife I was coming here, she's like, what? And I was like, she's like, from Rez? I go, I honestly forgot. I was like, I forgot that's where I originally knew him from besides everything else that was going on. Yeah, I yeah because I think Rick is your wife's cousin, cousin. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking about that the other day. Actually, I, there's a restaurant down the street called Subor Maya. Sponsor me, please. Free margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, I, you know, I love that restaurant. And we just kind of started running, running to each other every Friday just by accident, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of became a thing. So Rick and I would go there all the time. Actually, we haven't practiced on Monday. Oh, cool. I was going to ask you all still do stuff because it seems like now with streaming and YouTube and all the other social media stuff, like people don't necessarily have to do the gig stuff as much, or do you think you have to if you still want to do stuff? Um, it's almost like, guys, we need a viral video. What do we do? I think the, I think the scene's changed a lot. Here in Corpus, mm-hmm. um, some of them, some of it's still kind of the same. But I think the way that people are approaching uh, music now is a little bit different. Um, like for example, now the the, I mean, I'm in one of those bands, but like the, the tribute bands are just crazy, right? Nobody's really looking for local music anymore. Originally, do you think so. it's because that music is nostalgic, and so people want to hear that live yeah. over? The new stuff because they don't have a connection with it. I, I don't know when it started per se, uh, like when it became such a crazy fad. But I remember seeing the Spasmatics. Sure, and Dude, that's a franchise. Like, yeah, it's a imagine? franchise. Yeah. It's a franchise. I didn't know that. I was like, these guys are everywhere. And someone told me they saw them in different towns. Yeah, they're so a franchise. I didn't realize that. And you go to the website and you're like, oh, this is just 
put a neck brace and a helmet on, you got you're in the band. Exactly. And that's why they have the same set list. Yeah. Because the set list is curated to what's really popular. Mm-hmm. So that's what they do. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, why is there only a band like this for the '80s? Like we are in the 2000 and shoot at that time was 2018 when we first started talking about Seattle Rising, 2017-ish. So um, Seattle Rising plays what? Everything grunge? 90s rock and alternative. Okay. So a lot of the Seattle-based bands, obviously, because of the names, a lot of Pearl Jams. But see, like, stuff like that, I, again, going back to, like, I think the reason why they're so popular is you don't get music like that anymore. You don't get that yeah. that connection that people had when they used to see the videos on MTV. They used to buy the album. They used to go listen to it at Sam Goody at the mall, and you'd sit there, put the yeah. headphones on, and just be like, oh, I want to hear this one. Have you heard this one before? And you could literally hear the album or, like, five tracks of it, and you're like, got to buy the CD. Like, exactly. now people just go through music so fast. I was watching a uh, documentary on Netflix, and it was about MP3s, and my little girl was just kind of sitting there casually watching it too, and she kind of like, what? And I explained to her how it works, and it went from record, and it went to CD, and then it went to MP3s, and they recorded it, and then all of a sudden, in like 99, when Napster came out, it was like free, and that just really changed how people experience music. Not necessarily even get it, just experience. It wasn't like, hey, I heard this song on the radio. It's like, hey, download that. I want to hear it. Oh, pull it up. I don't like it. Whatever. Right. Because before you like, I'm a kind of guy, like when I buy an album or now download an album, I have to listen to it beginning to end without skipping anything, without going, oh, I really like that song. Let me go back and listen to that mm-hmm. again. Maybe I'll make like a mental note that I really like some like track number three or something. Are you doing that as a musician because that's the way you would write an album? You know that musician or that artist goes, hey, this is the way I want people to hear it? Because that's the, the, in my head, if you put something in order, that's the way that the artist wants you to receive that album. Do you feel like it's a story? Yeah. I mean, it depends, especially if it's like, um, what was that band that over here? Like, I think it's a Ben Sevenfold. Mm-hmm. One of the couple albums ago, it was like um, a themed album. So every song kind of connected to the next. Sure, like a story. So, so if you just, you know, listen to one, like uh, Mark Tremonti from Creed and Alter Bridge, he released an album like that too, where the album was based on the book that he wrote. Mm. So every track reflected on a chapter of the book. So it's like kind of like you're listening to the book beginning to end sure. without having to having to read the book. Or Do you have a lot of albums that are in your like in you that you know like it's funny you said Cree because when I was younger that was one of those ones I heard fully Tools another one mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of different rock bands some Spanish music surprisingly have you ever heard of Gypsy Kings yeah uh, their best of I know that from top to bottom and it's almost like a feeling I get as I go through the whole thing of the, the best of Gypsy Kings I feel I think I think my buddy Ronnie no, no, not the Gypsy Kings. I'm sorry. I was thinking about something else. But yes, Gypsy Kings. I know, I know who you're talking about. But what I guess what I was asking is, like, do you have a lot of albums? There's only a few. Like, for me, there's, I would say there's probably, it's definitely under 10 that I fully enjoy the full album. And it oh, was because, the full album beginning to end? Yeah. That was a hard thing to do. Like, musicians yeah. don't try to make music like that anymore. They make no. it to get, um, it's sadly, like, I'm sure their record labels are like, we need five singles. Whatever else you want to throw in there, we just throw it on there because we know people are going to download the singles. So these need to kill. Yeah, and, and this, the strategy is changing a little bit too. But going back to the album question, um, the Audio Slave, the first Audio Slave album, mm-hmm. dude, that to me that's one of the greatest modern rock albums of all time. Well, that voice, I mean, you For can't. Sure. That, that's a, no, that's yeah, he could have sang. He could have sang like the ingredients on the shampoo, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, Audio Slave. 
I felt like the hybrid theory from Lincoln Park, that's okay. a really good album yeah. to go front to back. Mine was Lincoln Park, but the remixes with Jay-Z. That oh, full, yeah, yeah, Collision Course. To where I didn't even know, like, is this a Jay-Z album or is this a Lincoln right. Park I love album? that album, too. I have it. Um, funny story, I bought that album right before I moved here, I think. Mm -hmm. Because I don't remember when it came out, and I wish I had a Jamie here to say, Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> but I don't. I don't remember when the album came out, but I think I bought that album the day before I moved to the United States. I would say it's like 2002 or three ish two to four. Yeah. Maybe two to Okay, four. something like that. Okay, because that's when I moved here, 2003. So to you, that album is your journey here, your story here. Yeah, uh, Linkin Park in general. Yeah. I, I feel like it's my journey here because when I moved, I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anybody. I didn't speak the language, first of all. So the only company I had was my PlayStation 2 at mm -hmm. the time and music. And oh, I have... You probably played Tony Hawk then. Did you ever oh, play? Oh, yeah. It's because Linkin Park was on that as well. <laughs> a lot um, of their songs are on there too. So you associate There's with that a lot as well. of songs that I listen to that will trigger memories of me playing Tony Hawk. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Oh, man, I... I don't remember what the dun, name dun, of the dun. band. There's some songs where I don't even associate it as the song. It's just, oh, that's from Tony, Tony Hawk. Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> days. Mm -hmm. that, that was on Tony Hawk. And I remember listening to that uh, Blink-182. Those were just like late nights, just playing, trying to get that, Two, three, that one trick. Morning, yeah, man. putting the cheat codes in and be like, yeah, I'm killing it. You're like, no, I, you're not. <laughs> I remember that. Blind yourself. It would be like in the mag. I, I don't know how it was. In Brazil, you went to like a newspaper stand and they have like magazines and stuff. Mm -hmm. Kind of like thing. Like okay. Nintendo Power, they had like yeah. the PlayStation magazine, you just yeah. subscribe to it. Mm -hmm. And then it got to the point where all the codes are online. You're like, oh man, this is not fair anymore. I haven't done something like that in so long. What, play video games? No, oh. like going online to find cheat codes or oh, whatever. Well, you know what I mean? I don't even think, I don't think the new games really have that. Like, I don't they think don't have, so. There's like, I think, because um, even on Fortnite, my little girl plays Fortnite. I don't play it. I know it's one of those more popular ones. But I don't, you have to buy the little stuff you want to get. There's no like, hey, I know this one code. Like remember, yeah. um, remember GoldenEye with James Bond? There's actual codes like Big Head Code, God Mode, like all these different cheats where yeah. those are actual codes you can play and you'd have fun. With Fortnite, no, it's like a, it's a business where they're like, oh, you want that skin? Guess what? That costs this. Oh, you want that? That costs this. I thought they make money. It's like all through those little microtransactions now and that's kind of or the future of... Well, it's a free game, so I understand. <laughs> right, they have to make money somehow. But I think it's cool how they're kind of trying to go above and beyond sometimes because they have like Dragon Ball Z skins now. They have Star Wars. Oh, they have so many partnerships. Yeah, Marvel. Marvel. And so it's... I think I actually think it's really cool. Like you're just seeing Spider-Man going this way and then you see Goku flying this way. Well, it's like, like how do we not end this ride? We keep involving other worlds that people are right. into besides this, and bringing them in, and bringing them in. Oh, this new movie's coming out. We're gonna bring that in. Oh, there's everyone's loving uh, Venom now. We're gonna bring that in because I think well, there was like a couple of show stuff. They had like John Wick in there. There's different things. John Wick. I think they have like some musicians too on Fortnite. If I if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. They have like uh, live. Travis Scott was on there for yeah, a little while. His live, live concerts and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I oh, think that that's was a cool experience. Really cool. Can I pause this real quick to go pee? Yeah. Is that a is that a no, option no. With, with this the show? Uh, <laughs> here, let me drink this and you can pee. <laughs> no. uh, go ahead, dude. <laughs> we're back, folks. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> that's so funny. I didn't mean to do that, but there was a podcast I listened to recently. And it was the first time I've ever heard on a podcast where the guy was like, "Hey, I gotta go pee," and he like took off, and they go, "Okay, cool, we can cut this," and then cut back. <laughs> 
It was like, it's it's like, like automatic. Yeah, it's automatic. He's like, oh, I peed. And then he did it again. I'm like, this is season two, but it was like a three hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm watching different podcasts or like long format like Rogan's, it's like, we're going to take a little break. Everybody. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, speaking of that, I mean, what made you want to start doing this? Because I know you do a lot of online stuff. Yeah. You're huge on YouTube stuff. What's, what was the, what were we trying to get out of this? Man, I just feel like there's certain things that people kind of want to know about, but they maybe don't. So I want to bring people that know what the hell they're talking about. Okay. Like you, for example, you are huge in uh, real estate, especially here in South Texas. You do so much work. You sell so many, so many homes. You break the records every year of your own company. So having people that know what they're talking about and bringing them here to kind of share that information, I feel like... Um, Locally, especially, I feel like it's something that I don't really see here around this area. You know, I think that going back to like we're talking about music and how it's changed, I think that's how information has changed over the years. Where for the longest time, if you wanted to know how to do something, it was either you find somebody that has done it and ask questions and ask questions and ask questions. If you could get access to that person, right, or you would go to the library. Um, right, yeah. which has books that people don't know what books are. <laughs> you have to open them up. Hey, do you have a book on this subject? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, but it's like seven years old. It's like, okay. But now with information and things so changing fast. as fast as they do, even you getting a book, like, have you ever read a book from like two or three years ago? Mm-hmm. And it sounds dated. You're like, wow, that sounds dated. Like they're talking about MySpace. Or they're talking about right. just different things that now seem weird, even though it was just a few years ago. What's fun about podcasts and YouTube and information being able to be uploaded as soon as possible is that when the internet came out, I remember them talking like, imagine every piece of artwork, every book you've ever seen, every da-da-da, online and accessible, which is great. But as times change as fast as they are, hey, how many times you had a problem with like an electronic device? Or something computer-wise. Problems right now with my internet. And what do you do? You go to YouTube, and it's like, damn, I really hope someone else had the same question. Learn exactly how the problem is, and someone else is like, yep, I had the same problem. You're like, oh, all the comments are like, thank you so much. Got a million likes. Lifesaver. Hey, this is. I'm here five years in the future, and this still helped me out. And it's the same thing. Like with information, there's so much stuff that can be put up there that people can share about. Hey, look, I was trying to figure it out. Here's what I figured out. Here it is. If you have the same question, and regarding anything, it can be about cleaning, it can be about music, it can be about computers, it can be about how to potty train your kids. Yeah. Like, like there's even a video. Your boy like anything. Dude, there's a video that has millions, and it's, you know what it's for? You Google how to open a can of Coke, and the first video pops up, that's all it is. It's, it's like, like 10, 10 seconds, and it has like 45 million views, because people wow. use the internet as for a, everything. For anything. Like yeah. how to tie a tie, like different stuff. So with me, yeah, like I had to, there's a lot of things I learned online and then there was a lot of stuff that I had to figure out. Like one of the best quotes my wife actually told me when I started doing different things than I had seen other like real estate people do, I had told her, I was like, I don't know how to do this. Like there's no book for this. Like there's nobody. She's like, maybe you have to write the book. And yeah. for me, it really clicked. I'm like, that sounds really arrogant. But it's like, maybe I have to figure it out on my own, trial and error, and then I can tell the people, hey, here's how I was able to get more views, more things, uh, more engagement, more clients, more just everything. And I think that that's starting to create this business model that you see now on Facebook a lot. Do every business. People are coming up with ads like, hey, 
You want to learn how to do this? You know, I went through the steps of doing this and this and this. I failed this many times, but I have all the answers and blah, blah, blah. If you want to learn, copy paste. come yeah. join me, blah, blah, blah. And then they're charging, I don't know, a thousand bucks a year or something. It's a model that I see every Well, it's like uh, there's that old day. saying that during the gold rush, it wasn't people searching for the gold that made the money. You know who made the most money? People selling the shovels. People selling the pickaxes. I'm going to show you where the gold's at, and I'm going to give you the tool to go get it. I'm not going to oh. get you the gold. Sure. I'm going to help you get it. It's the same thing. And a lot of those people yeah. are legit. Yeah. A lot of those people that the seminars, no matter what your business is, there's people that will teach you how to get there because either they've helped others get there or they themselves have got there. There's two different types. And so there's the ones that actually still do it, like real estate coaches. There's a lot of real estate coaches that don't sell real estate, have never sold real estate, or they don't do it anymore. But then there's some that are like, yeah, I'm a real estate coach and I'm doing $100 million a year like mm. selling. So there's the difference between the two. So you just got to be in any business. You got to find out who are the people that are actually helping others and themselves and have done it, or who are the ones that are just trying to sell me the dream. Is, is that, that something that you were interested in doing? Like like real, estate real, real estate coaching? Yeah, um, mostly because I get fulfillment out of helping people through the problems I went through. And it's almost like, if you ever like, I'm sure you've done this music world or computer world or YouTube world, and you see someone have this problem, you're like, ah, and it's, you don't get anything out of it. This is satisfaction of like, oh, I know the relief that I got when I finally figured it out. Yeah. So I've always thought about uh, real estate coaching. I, you know, if ever, there's a, I have a lot of real estate friends that are in other states just from social media. And mm -hmm. they'll, some of them will reach out and they'll ask me questions or give me a call. Like, hey, I don't know you, but I have a question. I'm like, cool. Um, to do that like professionally would be pretty fun. I think it'd be pretty fulfilling. So that's I the think, point I want to get to. I think that's um, the reason why I kind of like um, doing this kind of media stuff so much because I've been doing it since 2007 when I first got into bands because I was always a guy that was like, yeah, I, I know how to do this or I know how to do that. So everyone goes, cool, you're going to do it. Okay, yeah, so you're <laughs> it. Yeah, you're that guy. So I just by default became the art guy the, the media the, guy, the marketing guy. Yeah, the media guy, just because I was always buying a microphone or buying this sure. or buying that or trying out new things because my brain just goes at 100 miles per hour all day long, dude. And and if I'm not like physically tired at night, I will stay awake all night just thinking about things, mm -hmm. learning things. Like I'll go to YouTube and I watch a freaking, I watch a three hour seminar on Adobe Premiere Pro because I can go to sleep. <laughs> I'm, I wish that kind of stuff was around because I used to do graphic design and that's where a lot of my help comes from that I'm able to do it myself and it's faster than having to find someone that can make what I'm thinking, like you said, in exactly. your head. It's like, hey, this is yeah. my head. How do I make it? And I wish there was videos like that back then because I literally had to sit there and play on Adobe Photoshop and just figure out this tool, figure yeah. out the line tool, figure out the pin tool, figure out the gradient tool, figure out all these different things that, like I said, going back to people are able to put up information for whatever they want to do, be it exercise or whatever, and that's what the cool part about these long form like talks and conversations is that people might not connect at all, but there's someone else that are like, dude, are they fucking reading my mind? Like, that's what I've been trying to figure like, out. Yeah, go that's through. exactly what I want to do. Mm -hmm. like, like, how, how do, do you find that inspiration to just, like, like I, I know uh, you go on YouTube a lot, or you go on Facebook a lot, you do these little things like last comment wins or... Yeah, you know, like Ludovic is in there, like the, the one from the Comic-Con, you know, with Superhero. Like, where do you get the, the inspiration to, to be creative? I think um, there's a lot of people out there that are creative and they can get stuff and just out of nowhere they can make a logo or they can make an original movie 
uh, think of like Quentin Tarantino. It's like, where the hell is he getting those ideas right. from? I am not that type of creative. I am the, I'll see something. How can I make that for me? And a lot of times I'll post stuff or content where I just redid someone else's content in a totally different world, be it uh, the car world or finance world or just something else. And then I'll reword it for real estate. So where I'm like, hey, you know, that can work for me. So like with a comic thing, I'm like, that has nothing to do with real estate. But I was like, what could I do that's within my character? But it makes sense and it's just funny and it's going to keep people engaged. So, so I, I, I'll, I'll see something and I'll go, yeah, I was like, I'll see something and be like, you know what? Let me put my spin on that. And that's really what music is and art. It's your own mm. art. It's your own expression of maybe something you saw. So, so what made you want to get into like real estate? Is that something that you always had a passion for? You're just like, you know what? Let me just no. try this. I don't I think like, anybody in real estate loves real estate got into it like <laughs> growing up like yeah, i'm gonna be a realtor when i get older i didn't even know what a realtor was mm. up until the age of like 25 maybe and because i went to school i didn't even know that's how my parents bought a house was through a realtor I had no idea my family was in real estate my cousin who's our broker chris montavo i had no idea that i didn't really know what he did i kind of had an idea uh, the same way I didn't really know what a lawyer did. I didn't really know what a sure. lot of people did. You're, everyone, when you're younger, you're in your own little world, and you know there's other stuff going on, but your world's just these tiny little things that are happening around you. And then when you get older, you start seeing more. You're like, oh, okay. Um, no, I had no desire at all. Sorry, go back to I had no desire to be real estate. <laughs> um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. For the longest time when I went to school, like back when we used to see each other, mm -hmm. it was just marketing. I knew that I was mm. good at getting people's attention, um, because that's what I used to do with the radio. It was my job right. to get and keep people's attention. When social media came yeah. out, I, I took, took the, the things, things that I learned from the radio and used it online. And, and so, so that was the thing I was good at was making contests, doing engaging things. Mm. A lot of times people are like, how do, you, how do you get so much engagement? I'm like, I'm literally asking, do you like Coke or Pepsi? Because if, like, if I tell you, hey, do you like pizza from Domino's or pizza? Everyone wants to give an opinion. Right. So I use that. And then it's a, there's a Gary Vee quote. It's called Punch, Punch, Jeb, where it's kind of like, I give, 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 and then I'm going to ask. Like, oh, by the way, here's this listing I have. By the way, da, 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 da. Sure. With, like, the contest stuff, people can spend money on marketing in so many different, different ways. ways. Like, like, I'm, I'm sure, sure as any business owner, you get approached for sponsoring or for billboards or for ads. Or, hey, this is going to this kid's school. You want to put your thing here. Um, and nothing against all those forms of marketing. Everybody's got to pay the bills and pay... To have all these things going on for me it's like do i want to go spend money on something that's going to be ego driven like a billboard and i'm going to have my face up there and i get to go cool or sure. should i just you know start giving 100 bucks out here and there with fun stuff that's going to keep people right going coming back and going who's the biggest youtube guy you can think of that's always giving back what's his name i want to see if you can guess what i'm thinking mm. in my mind it's Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast, yeah. And that's Mr. because Mr. Beast has one of the biggest followings. And if you know his story, he started getting sponsorships. Someone gave him 100 grand. He took that 100 grand and gave it right back out to the people that was in the neighborhood. And everyone's like, oh, my God. And he did it. So 100 grand, 500 grand, million dollars. And he just kept giving it back. Because and he knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he knew, like, hey, if I just kept giving this back out, it's going to keep coming back to me because that's what people want to see. They never saw it before. He's he really didn't go. Smart, man. He didn't go buy you know 
17,000 bus benches. Sure, yeah. He said, hey, I'm going to give this back to the people that are around me. And that's what I kind of I like enjoy doing. That, that's, he's, he's so, so smart, man. He, he figured it out. Like, like the, the more you reinvest in yourself, mm-hmm. the more you reinvest in what you're passionate and what you're really good at, the more it pays, it pays forward and it comes around back to you, sure. too. So I want to go back to that time you said that about the, the radio station because when when that job opening was, was open, I looked at it and I was like, for my job? Yeah. Or after? Oh, okay. uh, wait, when you applied and you got the job. I didn't apply. You didn't apply. So how did you get it? So my sister used to be really good friends and worked with a girl that was dating Rex. And okay. at that time, I was working at Triscoll Children's Hospital, still going to school. I had no desire to be on radio either. That's the funny part. I've always found the jobs that I had never thought, like, I'm going to be on the radio. Oh, were you in Triscoll? I was a systems analyst, and I was helping them go from a paperless system I'm sorry, a paper system to a paperless system mm. and making sure that doctors and nurses and everyone that was in all the different departments was able to transfer these really, at the time, large files over the network to all the different clinics they had throughout the coast. And, and so that was a fun, very boring job. And I worked there and <laughs> there's a day I remember sitting there on the computer and just kind of adding up like, okay, well, if every paycheck I'm saving this much into my 401, after a bajillion years, years. I'll have to <laughs> yeah. I'm like, damn, I'm going to be here forever. You won't, yeah. And uh, my sister's friend called me and said, hey, um, do you want to come in the next couple of days or this what day to talk on the radio? Now, remember, I told you I was doing graphic design stuff. I used to make like flyers. Mm-hmm. I would make them for clubs. I would make them for friends. Like anybody that wanted me to design something in Photoshop, because there was no Canva back then. There was no right. Etsy. There wasn't things mm-hmm. where you can just go buy these things. Someone right. had to actually make it. Um, it's like asking your friend to burn you a CD back in the day. Yeah, oh yeah, basically the same thing, right? Yeah. It's like, ah, that's magic. Just do whatever you got to do. And so when I was doing that and they asked me to come on, I thought it was going on to go talk about my graphic design stuff. And I was like, well, how long is it? She goes, well, it goes from like five to ten. I go, I, and I didn't really talk a lot back then. I was a little more shy unless yeah. I was in front of people. I could be on the radio for five hours talking about graphic design. What the hell am I talking about for five hours? It's boring. She goes, no, 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 no. You're just going to go on and talk. So I was a little confused of what... I was even doing there. So you didn't, didn't even, even know Rex, Rex by that time. time. I met him a couple times uh, when he would walk into Best Buy. And I used to work at Best Buy. <laughs> and he was always real into electronics. Yeah. Like he was always mm-hmm. trying to buy the new thing. And I would talk to him about scanners, talk to him about this. Like He had a lot of stuff that I had sold him there because he was into like that stuff. Like He loved that world. And so I didn't know him at all. I met him a couple times mm. just literally at work. And it was in a work. It was just a work, work transaction. It was a work transaction. Hey, you're cool. I'm cool. Okay, cool. So yeah, we sat there and he had, I think, gone through different people. He mm-hmm. was like notorious to like, everyone goes, oh, every, no one lasts there, no one lasts there. And I think he just hadn't found someone where he meshed well or mm. he found that balanced him out. Yeah. And so when I started going, he's like, I want to hire this guy. Mm. Uh, and I was like, cool. So I told the radio yeah. because they started hearing me in the mornings. I'm sorry, I told the hospital who was hearing me in the mornings before I went in, like, are you quitting? I heard you on the radio. I was like, no, I'm filling in. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just here. And they offered me the job. Next day, I was like, okay, I'm leaving. Uh, and that was it. So that's, yeah. So I accidentally got that job. And I am sorry to anybody that wanted a radio <laughs> job that had intentions or had the desire. Because there was a person that worked there. And mm-hmm. I love her to death. But when I got that job and she knew that, years later, she got a job there. And she was pissed because she's like, this guy doesn't even, like, he didn't even go to school for radio. He didn't want to be on the radio. He just accidentally, accidentally got, got this job when, when so many other people, people I understood right. uh, wanted that. And I didn't know that. I, had, I didn't know anything about the radio. 
I just was like showing up because I thought I was going to plug my flyer business. It's kind of like right place, right time sort of thing. I think a lot of stuff happens like networking. That. Yeah, I think a lot of things happen that way. And so I thought, since I'm going to school for marketing, uh, I think one of the only people in my life that was like, do it was probably my cousin Chris, who now we work together. He's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Go do it. It's great yeah. for marketing. Maybe you'll get a job at American Bank Center. Maybe you'll get a job over here doing this. And I thought, oh, that's you're right. I should go. Who, what kind yeah. of doors is it going to open? Never did I think it's going to go to real estate. Right, right. And that, do you, do you, do you feel, feel like, like your time in that morning really helped you propel that? Million percent. Yeah. It set me up for what I ultimately, now looking back, want to be. And what I'm doing now, yeah, I don't want to do anything else besides real estate. Like, I found my stopping yeah. point. This is what I want to do. Okay. The branches that come off of this are going to go, like, right sure. now, I'm doing a podcast, too. I'm doing all the YouTube stuff. And, and your podcast, podcast is, is real estate? estate uh, no. Okay. I, that's, that was, I didn't want to pigeonhole myself. I thought, I thought you know what? It's going to be real estate. And yeah. And I'm like, but for me, personally, because I'm in the world, it gets boring after a while. Like, it's not boring, but I'd rather talk to people, like, the way you want to do and hear people's stories that are from Corpus. Because when you're younger, you read like the paper or you see and you hear stories. There's like storytellers, right? There's storytellers when you're little. There's your uncle, there's your mm -hmm. family. There's these people that have all these stories about Corpus, like where you're, you live. And now like with newspaper and print kind of going away, I think people that are sure. online and that are documenting, documenting, I love them on YouTube. YouTube. And I see like the old photos that someone collected together mm -hmm. and put on a super long slideshow with music. I'm like, oh man, look at Corpus in the 50s and the 70s yeah, and the 80s. dude. I actually, I actually just saw, uh, there's this channel on YouTube. It's like a ghost hunting channel. Okay. But they went to the House of Rock. And the only way I've I found out about it is because uh, somebody that works at the House of Rock posted it on Facebook or maybe even Casey told me about <clears> it. I don't remember. But he was telling the story how it didn't used to have that seawall because of the hurricane that came yeah, in, built it. and they built it, and the House of Rock used to be a morgue. I didn't know any of this stuff. Crazy, right? But yeah. isn't it fun when you see that stuff? Because you see those things, and when you see that stuff on YouTube or you see it online, it's almost like when you used to, you used to uh, hear your name on the radio or like when you used to hear your city on the on TV or on a movie, like, oh, he said Corpus. It's like, like, it's just kind of cool. cool. And, yeah. And, and yeah. You either make it look really, really good or you make it look really, really bad. Really bad, yeah. But I think that if you're going to tell the story, you have every right to tell however you want, but you should inspire, you should, you should, um, is it aspire? What's the word? You should try to make it sure. a good story. Like, hey, I'm okay. trying to tell the truth and I'm trying to show you exactly uh, what happened here being the ghost stories or whatever it is. Whatever like that story really is. felt like, like a, a bad, bad, bad vibe from the house. Like, you know, I've been there so many times that I just found that out about, a, you know, two weeks ago when I was off from work and I, I had no idea. But, but think of the history, but see what makes that great is think of the history that downtown has that yeah. no one knows about. No, but no one knows about it. Like no yeah. one knows about all the little buildings that are down there. Those used to be so many different things. Like all of like, I mean, I know you're not from Corpus, but from what I remember, my parents spent a lot of time downtown. They're a little shopping, going to all the different department stores, like Christmas, like mm. the way downtown San Antonio still is. Mm -hmm. That used to be downtown Cor Corpus. And now mm. it's kind of a quiet little little place. Like there's things going on here and there, but it felt like it hasn't concentrated enough. It's kind of spread out. I, I feel like lately, the people that live in this area, they're becoming more open-minded to growth and, and, and just advancing everything just as a whole. Because before, when I first moved here, oh, we want to build this, and there was always pushback. Oh, we don't want a target. Oh, we don't want whatever. It always felt like people wanted to keep the town as small as it always had always been because they're afraid that it's going to be too big or the crime was going up. But I feel like there's a certain point that you can't really, um, there's only so much you can do 
You know, I think... Um, well, you can't stop change. No, exactly. But it's up to the people that are living here to either make change or just sit for a while. Because change mm. will always happen no matter what. Mm. Like you said, with the seawall, like downtown used to not have a downtown. There used to be a whole section of downtown that was not there. They had to build that all up and then start building buildings on top of that. So that eventually happened. So it just takes time. Yeah, all the stuff they, they tore down the Coliseum and they built that whole thing downtown, which was great, by the way. I really love it. And then I saw the whole plans that they have by the American Bank Center. They're going to expand it. I think that's all great. Where I'm from, the town has got like a million plus people. So it's just, it was a real shock too when I moved here. Sure. Because I'm, I'm going through these little streets and all these pretty houses right next to each other and trees, everything's so green. I'm like, this is so cool. It's just like in the movies when you're mm -hmm. watching the movies, you know, it's because in Brazil, it's all like walls, brick walls. Everything's so up high. And then on top of the of the walls, there's like but why broken the glass. Explain to me why there's always walls like that. Crime. Crime. Okay. Crime. And I think it's also part of the, of the culture as well. Well, it's like that when you go to like older parts of town here in Corpus. There's a lot of neighborhoods that still have the chain link fences in the front. Yeah, the um, bars on the windows and stuff like there's that. There's been times in the past where I was showing clients property and then they're like, hey, how come no one how come no one has fences? And I go, everybody has fences. What are you talking about? Like, I, I thought he meant like from where the, the front of the house is back like this. Mm -hmm. He goes, no, there's like no front fences. And I was like, oh. I go, well, well I go, people, people don't really do, on this, do that on this side of town. town. That, that was my first time anybody had ever asked that question. Mm -hmm. Like, why isn't there any fences? And I was stupid to think like, there is fences. And he's like, no, like in the front. Like there's no chain link, there's no like nothing. I was like, it's very rare. Right, I to was see like, that well, right I guess here. it's just that I never thought about like the way you just said. I go, that's just a different part of town. That's the way they used to do it, and they did it for a long time. And then over time, either those neighborhoods changed and they stopped doing it, or those people moved to a different area. And then in that new area, they felt safer and they didn't. Right. Or it wasn't allowed because they had HOA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think. Yeah, I. I it's so weird, man. It feels like a totally different planet when you know when you go to a part of the country like that. When you go to the Brazil favelas, and then you come over here. Even inside Brazil, there's so much um, difference in in not only social but cultural. Mm -hmm. You know, it's such a big country, just like the U.S. I think the U.S. is only bigger because of Hawaii, sure, or Alaska, and that's just like, like and that's like all the way. You know, so. So having kids now, compared to your experience, like you said a while ago, coming to Corpus by yourself and being here and going through the college experience and doing all the different stuff, now having a family, does mm. it feel like a different city? Because I tell my wife all the time, the streets that I'm driving, that I used to drive when I was in high school, driving on Yorktown, driving by my old high school, mm -hmm. driving on Weber, just different areas of town. I remember driving those areas when I was young, and now looking back and now driving those areas, it feels like a different world that the world that I was driving through, those memories that I have, that yeah. was a different place than I am now. Not me physically, just the whole sure. and the whole. It feels different. Yeah, because I think as, you know, the years go by, go by and you progress and you get a job and you meet different people and the more people you spend time with, they mold you to kind of be somewhat similar as to they are. So when I drive through the GP high school now, which is where I went to high school, it feels different. You know, it feels like at the same time, I can remember like it was kind of like yesterday, but it feels like yesterday was so long ago. You know, not only mentally, physically, everything. It just, I think your whole ex like a, it's life a, experience is just kind of the way I see it. It feels like, like a, a filter almost. It feels like a different movie. Mm. Like, you, like think of a. I hate to bring up 
Quentin Tarantino again, maybe because I just saw a podcast from him. But think of like a Pulp Fiction movie, or like one of those movies where there's like a it's a whole other section of the movie that feels very different than this section, and that's what I'm talking about. Like I feel like that part of my life, and for a lot of people's life, when they get through high school and they go through college, that's a big long chapter, and then yeah. it's like cut scene, fade to black, and then here's this other big sure. long scene where none of this really matches any of this. It feels very different. Like, there's a big old gap. There's a different the middle, director, right? like making right. everything different. That's the way I feel. Because mm-hmm. everything that I've done now and I do lately feels very different than when I was growing up here, I moved away, came back here, went through college. Um, I would say it all started kind of like when I met my wife. That's a whole oh, other chapter of my life. Yeah, yeah. Very it changes completely. Yeah, it changes completely. Your focus bef- when you're single is everything all the time because you're just always like looking for something. But then when you find it, your world kind of gets your world actually gets a little smaller, I think. Right. When you have kids too, because those things you used to worry about or be concerned about are no longer concerned. All, right. Doesn't all, matter. It's just right here, my little tribe. Right. My little people. people. Yeah. yeah you, I, mean, I mean, you're, you're responsible, responsible for these kids. I mean, just like your parents were responsible for you, making sure that you grew up to be a citizen, you know, a respectable citizen. It's our t- our turn now to do that. And man, I, before I forget, I've been wanting to ask you this. I, I remember seeing you. <laughs> uh, the footage that you had when you were in Australia. Mm-hmm. When you was that just by accident? Just by accident? It just happened. The, the Australia trip or the actual the thing you're talking about is being on TV and being like rescued by the man. That was one of those trips that I was very uh, hesitant to take uh-huh. because my cousin, who was always traveling um, when he was single, always taking buddies different places. Uh, right before that, he had went to Japan and he had asked me to go. I was like, no, bro, I can't go to Japan. Like, I don't even, how am I going to take, I was with the, the mentality, like, I can't take that long off. I was still working at the radio. Oh. I was like, I can't take three weeks off of work. That was just a weird thing to me. Right. Um, and so during that time, I finally was like, yeah, I think I can do it. And I told the radio, I'm going to be gone for two and a half weeks. And they were kind of like, well, and I had to space it around the holidays. So long story short, that was one of those trips I never thought I could go on. I went on and just had a blast. Felt super, I mean, you Move from country to a different world. Like, yeah, that was the first time I've ever been out of the country. Oh, okay. Like at all. That's I've been cool. to Mexico, but I didn't count that. It was kind of like sure, it's still sure, connected. Yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. It's just so still close. Further. Yeah, that was a, a fifteen-hour, you know, long. Yeah, it's a long journey, ride. man. And getting there, you're thrown off schedule-wise, culture-wise. Um, yeah, especially, how, uh, what's the, the time, time difference? difference? So, so it would be like nine a.m. Australia time. And then in America, it'd be the following, it would be like at night. So mm. it's almost, uh, not a 24-hour difference, almost. So they are ahead, ahead or behind? We, they're we, behind. Okay. Well, no, they're, they're, they're ahead. They're ahead. So they experience it first. Right. They experience it first. Anyways, I'm trying to remember how the timeline was. because The reason I bring that up is we were at this beach called Bondi. We heard it's like a famous beach. We're having breakfast. And we're drinking beer. Like it's nine a.m. and we're drinking beer <laughs> because we're on a hey. It's basically ten o'clock at night. Like it's nighttime sure. for yeah. us. Our bodies felt like nighttime. We're like, nah, let's just start drinking. And mm. so we're drinking. We're eating eggs and like weird looking bacon. And then I'm like, man, we're not gonna just sit here on the sand. Like let's go play in the water. Like this is an awesome beach. Cousin Chris is like, no, I'm gonna sit right here. Me and my buddy Michael, we go up some little boogie boards and we go out there. And it's like, oh, this is fun. Right before this event happened, where I had to be rescued. I remember looking at my buddy Michael, I go, dude, remember this. Like, look at around. Like, this is not something a lot of people get to do. And whenever you get stressed out, 
and you think you know the world's falling down on you remember how big the world is and we're here yeah. seeing it and he's like you're right so we kept paddling out paddling out <laughs> and i was not a care in the world not a care in the world and i was like man we're pretty far out and people became less and less there was only like the surfers or like the really professional swimmers and I was just stuck out there. And my buddy's like, I'm going to start trying to paddle back. I'm like, me too. It felt like I was in a treadmill in the water. Like I was just paddling. Oh, you're going anywhere. Not going nowhere. And I'm so tired. Damn. And I'm holding a GoPro stick about this long with a GoPro on the top, being a dumbass, filming myself. And so he finally got back to shore. I was sitting there and I was thinking like, what am I doing? Like I just had, the reason I really was questioning the trip too, I just had a little baby boy. I had my little baby boy in June. This is in December. Mm, He's six months old, little baby. baby. That I left my wife and my little girl. Here you are in Australia. The one thing she told me, don't get in the water. There's big ass sharks. Don't get in the water. I was like, okay, I'm not going to get in the water. Here I am thinking, I'm going to, if I don't die here, I'm going to die when I get home, man. And so I didn't want to yell and be like a little girl and be like, ah. So I just kind of, just kind of ride it out. And I'm thinking, dude, what do I do? Finally, I see this girl come up, blonde hair. Did I mention it was a topless beach? No, you did not. So I didn't know that you did until after I got back to shore because I wasn't paying attention. So this girl comes on this big old paddleboard, topless, gets right up on me, and I realize it's not a girl. It's Jethro. He's just a skinny, little, blonde-haired, handsome-looking kid with hair down to here. Wow. Hey, mate, what you doing out here? Literally, the whole accent. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing out here. I was really hoping <laughs> I'll bring a jet ski. You're going to tell me back? You weigh like 100 pounds. I don't think it's going to happen. And so this episode of Bondi Rescue, which I guess I learned that I was the only American ever on this show, I oh, didn't wow. know it was a show until I got back to shore. He towed me back in. I'm still filming myself. We got back to shore. Camera crew, boom mic, producer, like like five people. And I'm looking at them. And I'm looking at this guy who just brought me back. I'm like, hey, man, what are, y'all, are they here for you? He goes, yeah, they're for me. I go, what are we doing? He goes, it's a show, mate. I was like, what kind of show? He's like, it's Bondi Rescue. And he didn't have to explain what it was. I just knew. I was like, this is a show with stupid Americans. <laughs> and these people have to come rescue them. Like, this is like a real-life Baywatch. And so I got back, and sure enough, they're like, hey, can we get your information? Da, da, da. Do you have that memory card from your GoPro? So I gave them the footage. Like, this is the first time anybody's ever filmed their own rescue. And I was like, well, take it. And I got That's their information. Funny. When's this going to air? Started following him on Facebook the next two days, and this is where the story ends. The next two days, um, the, I was following him on Facebook. The, the beach shut down because of sharks. So they had helicopters wow. circling the beach trying to spot the sharks, trying to get them to get out, and they had fences with chain, ro- yeah. like chain ropes up so no one could be at this beach. Like, it was a serious thing. Like, they had to shut it down like Jaws, like the movie. And this two days after you left? Two days after I left. So I was like, whoa, wow. my wife was pissed. Not bad. Well, you, you can watch the clip on YouTube. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Uh, and then it's there's like, uh, it's really funny. Like my little girl will get texts from her friends. She got a couple months back. Hey, was your dad ever in Australia? Did you know he's on this show? And my little girl's like, yeah, we knew. And the girl's like, send her a YouTube clip. I'm like, damn, I didn't think you'd ever see that. That's funny. That's going to be something that's going to be really hilarious for her when she gets it. It wasn't like it's not there. It's hilarious. No, 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 no. Like, whenever you see those videos on YouTube and people are like almost dying, it's like, like, I'm sure it's funny to look at now, but for the people going through those moments, any tiny little moment, those are not 
my fun moments. Did 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 that experience with you? Did that help you at all with getting that own pilot on the HDTV? Or is that something completely separate? Completely separate. Oh, that okay. was just a, a fun thing. That months later it came out. I was like, oh, that was cool. But mm. yeah, that, that had, it was just it was just my sharing my world. I guess online is kind of what led to that. Oh, okay. So did, did they, they approach you out of nowhere, nowhere or the HDTV thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it wasn't HDTV. The way HDTV works is. H- networks be it HGTV TLC the learning I mean Food Network whatever MPV whatever it is they have go ahead pause, pause. <laughs> gotta go pee again we're back with uh, some guests some, 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 some more guests some extra guests um, over here so yeah so, so that the way TV shows work is different networks will put out uh, basically like a memo right it's like hey guys we're looking for this type of show we've pulled our audiences this is what we're looking for we're looking for a A B C D and so that goes out to all the different production companies uh, think of the production companies as like record labels. The record labels are like, oh, I got an artist for that. Well, in the production company oh. world, they put out a casting call and they, they tell, tell all their agents, like, hey guys, we're searching for these type of people to make this kind of show. And so whenever we made ours, we're doing it at the same time as 20 other people are doing it. 20 other production companies who got the same memo are you know, all trying to fill this void that the network's looking for. And so they go and they search the internet, they search people. And I actually got a call from a, a buddy who flips houses and he's like, man, I got this call from this production company. I'm not sure if it's legit, but I told him about you. I don't have the time to do that. I don't think I'm that right person. I was like, cool, I'll call. Um, that was right when I was leaving the radio. And I said, cool. And I did the interviews and more interviews and more interviews and more interviews. And then um, finally they're like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna do a sizzler. I was like, what's that? I was like, like the steakhouse? So like, we're a sizzler. We're going to go and we're going to film y'all. We're going to present this sizzler to the network. If they green light it, then they green light a pilot. So it was a big, okay. long process. It was ended up being like a two-year process oh, that wow. I couldn't tell anybody about. Because right. one, I didn't want to because I didn't know it was going to happen. So I was like, I'm going to tell people to get them all excited. Because I've had people do that with me with all kinds of things. I'm sure you've had that in the music world where you're like, sure, buddy. And then nothing happens. You're like, hey, what happened? So I just didn't want to jinx it. And then two... Um, I didn't want the radio to think already, because I was still working on the radio, and I didn't want them to think, wow, so he's doing the real estate thing, now he wants to do this, he's definitely going to leave. Yeah, I was still trying to hold on to that job. So when I finally left, uh, it was at the same time I left the radio, they were like, hey, we're, we're doing the pilot now. I was like, cool, we got to really for the pilot. So they come down, and um, we had to pick a house, we had to, do a, we had to remodel a house faster than we've ever done, but not only do it faster, but take breaks in between when the production company wasn't here and filming. So it was kind of like, do all this, hurry up, wait, hurry up, wait. And it was like, that's not the way this works. Like, we got crews ready to work. We don't just, like, wait around and go, hold on, guys, you can't do that yet because we got to film it. And so that's how that comes about. That's how most shows come about. And then they put the pilots out, they see what works, and then sometimes it could be awesome. And in our case, the ratings were really good and the feedback was really good. They're just like, no, they're looking for something else now. So they spend millions of dollars doing that kind of stuff. So when you finally see a show on TV, it took a long time not only to get that particular show, but all the other ones that competed to make that show. Like so it started basically, off they're just like, all right, okay, cool, this works, uh, thanks. Kind of like a, a guy's like, I'm really hungry, and I want a burger. Give me 20 awesome burgers. And 20 awesome burgers come, he's like, maybe I wasn't in the mood for a burger. Maybe I want pizza. Kind of like that. Such, right? 
That's literally the way TV works. And then after that, you, they never contacted you back again? Uh, I had other production companies hit us up again for a different for different things. Mm -hmm. And going through that experience, um, I just didn't want to do it again. I was, I was like, like, I don't want to go through that casting call. I don't want to go through that whole process again. Um, if anything, after that, I think there was a lot of different shows we saw where it was like the people, the relationships weren't going well. And I thought, man, maybe that's just, it's because it was a big a big task on us to do all the things we were doing. And that's because if we would have gone through, they were telling us we're gonna have to film five of, the, five of these at a time. Like it would have taken up a lot of my world and a lot of our time. We're the ones that pay for all these things that happen. So it was time consuming. It did cost us a lot of money financially to make it work. And so not only on their end, but on your end too. Yeah, to so organize everything, to pay for stuff, to be out of work, to be out of the office, to make this house look the way they wanted to, where it's TV ready. I'm like, we don't normally spend that much money on that kind of finish or that kind of backsplash, sure. this kind of sink or appliances. They're like, well, for TV, we need it to look like that. So it's all just it's reality TV. It's fake. And so right. to go through it again, I was like, nah, I'm good. So it wasn't for you. I don't think it's for a lot of people. Even people that go through it. If you read like the tabloids, if you read like the, the stories of these reality TV, unless it's one of those drama reality shows, even the regular ones, they all go through a lot of drama. <laughs> it's weird. So from from that experience to transitioning to like podcasts and YouTube, I do you feel like that even though that didn't really go forward, that's still kind of like helping you uh, with other uh, experiences. You know what's what I've noticed the last couple of years, especially after the pandemic when everybody kind of had to figure out on their own, either changing careers or their worlds changed or their jobs changed. A lot of people had to really put themselves out there. And I've been able to see, and I think probably you've seen it, when I was on the radio, that was my platform. Like my platform was I was on the radio. That was my stage. You know what I mean? And nowadays, you don't have to be on TV. You don't have to be on the radio. You don't have to be on the news. You don't have to be on anything. You just have to know how to get people's attention. And that's what I was able to see other people do on TikTok or on Instagram or on YouTube. Like, they're able to create their own stage. Like, everyone has the ability now to get on a stage, and it's the internet. And either you're going to get up there and stay up there. And even if you're bad, if the consistency is what keeps people up there. Yeah. And if you're really good, then you'll go up faster. But that's kind of what the way I see it. It's like I just want to create my own stage. And whatever way I can do it, I'm going to do it the best I can. And make sure that I'm not just doing it to do it and you know, trying to be consistent, even though I am. I want it to look good and feel good and something I would watch. Because I know the stuff that I am glued to. I know the podcast that I love watching. Mm -hmm. I know the YouTube stuff I love watching that I'm consistent with sticking to because the person that's making it's sticking with it too. So what uh, what's, kind of, what's next for you as far as, because uh, I know you're doing the podcast and you're still doing the um, real estate pretty heavily. Is, is that like a formula that you found that's, that's working for you you're going to stick with? Yeah, because the podcast and the YouTube stuff and all the like TikTok and like the social media stuff, that came from, I don't want to just post like houses all day. Like yeah, yeah. I get it, and there's so many people in that. There's because I did I've done that. Like when I started real estate, all I would post is houses, house, 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 houses. But after a while, it's like cool, I get it, nice houses. But <laughs> how does that help me? You know what I mean? And so, so if, if I, I can, can show me and show what I know and how to help people in situations that are stopping them even from window shopping. Like in other words, yeah. I don't even want to look at houses because I know I got bad credit. I have right. savings. I'm just not in that place yet financially or mentally or relationship-wise. I want to help people 
with that stuff. Like, I'll show them the rides, but I don't want to help them get the ticket first. Like, that's what I'm trying to show people. And doing the podcast and doing the internet stuff and really just, you know, get having something for everybody, that's what I'm trying to do. And that way it's not just like, oh, it's a one-trick pony. Mm. Right, but we should all come. I want to go a little bit more relaxed. Bubbles a little but bit more crazy. But my dog doesn't see this. It's going to be pissed. Your dog's going to smell it on you like, what the hell are you doing when you were out? Why bubbles? So as far as like what's next, I think it's like anybody else. I want to raise my kids. I want them to be good people. Um, I want to make sure I create a world where they have that ability to do that. I know that a lot of people that go through life, they have their struggles. Um, we've all had our struggles. Um, and some, some struggles for me might not be struggles for others and vice versa. But um, that's really just the end goal is to make sure like raise good people. Like the day that I die, I just want to make sure that the people that are left they're left, one, knew I loved them, and two, I did everything I can to get them as far as I could. There's like this old comic. Uh, it's like an 8-bit little comic I saw posted one time, and it shows this little like video game family. And this video game family is with their little boy, and they're going, and they're going. It looks like Super Mario uh, 1, mm-hmm. where you see like the little holes, and they're jumping over the hole, and they get to another hole, and they get to little obstacles, and then they keep jumping. And then it gets to a point where they've gone so far, and the little 8-bit character jumps this big it's okay it's okay it's fine this, they jump this bigger jump the little eight bit character picture a little bit of mario brother he jumps this big jump and then he looks back and the family's like that's as far as we can go like you keep going mm. and it was like how did i start crying over a little like mario brothers wannabe knockoff yeah, cartoon that's, that's but cool. if you think about life like our parents good parents yeah push your kid as far as they can it's like hey keep going like, it's your job to keep pushing. Yeah, I, I feel that way, too, actually. It's, I was just thinking about that the other day, to be honest. You know, like, I need to I need to try to do the best I can, get the furthest I can to, to help them start further along than where, where I started. Well, think about why you came here. Think right, about why your exactly. parents let you come here. Right. Think about people that came here 200 years ago right. to end up in New York and just go, all right, now what? We're going to do whatever right. we got to do. I think a lot of people have lost that idea of, hey, it's out there. And you're either going to go get it or you're not. And right. back then, there was no other choice but to survive and get it. And now, even people that um, live a pretty comfortable life comparison to other worlds and other countries see their life as like, oh, life is tough as they're posting online on their $1,000 iPhone. Like, but is it? Is it that right. bad? Exactly. Or are you just lazy? Or are you just thinking it's really bad when that was that is a fun part about traveling the country is not only fun but an eye-opening part when you see other countries and you see how they live you're like wow it's not that bad actually why are no. we complaining no man uh, when i see actually i saw this video of these people that went to a store they were dumping all the milk from the um from the fridge they just started grabbing milk and dumping it because i guess they were protesting um cruelty against cows or something like that. And this is America or is Yeah. I was like, it has to be America. Yeah. Another country to be like, yeah, oh, they're yeah. just, I was like, man, just imagine how many people would just die for that milk. Yeah. Or are dying and need the milk. They're dying and, and need that milk. There's kids you, you see all the time, you know. Because I guarantee you those are the people that have never been out of their city, never out of struggled. their town, never struggled. They've never seen another country. And they like that's their problem. Like this is here. It's like, no, like what are you fighting for really? 
Yeah, I, I, that, that that really pissed me off. Imagine, imagine two hundred years ago, three hundred years ago, you're you walk up to a that farmer, never happened, and a right. farmer has his milk, and he's been growing these crops, or he's been doing whatever he's been doing to survive and keep those around him alive and fruitful, and then someone comes up and destroys their crops. Like, what are you doing? Do you even know what it feels like to grow this or do this or the work it takes too behind everything? It's just it just kind of feels like a slap in the face of all the people that came before and and worked so hard to get there. Oh, like the person that owns that particular shop that, you know, that's literally money down the drain. Yeah, like, hey, I, I have a family I'm trying to support. Do you have a family you're trying to support? Because what if I went to your, oh, do you have a job? Because if I went to your job and did anything close to this, would you exactly. be okay with it? No matter what your job was. No. Before, let me ask you a question about the, the housing market now because mm -hmm. um, when I got this house, a couple of years ago, um, compared to now, I really felt like I jumped in at the right moment uh, a couple of years ago compared to now. I do feel like it has changed from pre-pandemic, during, and now that we're kind of at that part of the, of the graph, you could say that things are kind of starting to look, look up again. Okay, so I'm glad you brought up a graph, right? So if this was when America was founded and the very first real estate was sold, and different people started buying real estate, be it farms, be it land, be it buildings, whatever it is. This graph over time has always gone this way. Has there been little dips? Yeah. Sure. But it's always going to go up for the simple fact of supply and demand. There's only so much land that God made. And because of that, <laughs> yeah. because of that, it's just the way it is. Like even if you think of somewhere here in Corpus, right? And so you've been here long enough to see certain mm -hmm. parts that have grown that used to be farmland. I've been here longer than I was growing up in Brazil. Okay, so you think of areas like um, anything past Saratoga, which at one point um, was all yeah. farmland too. Yeah. You think of more plaza, that was all farmland. And so over time, always, it's just the way it is because people grow and we live in a world where people are living longer and people are having more kids, some people. Um, just that's just the way it's always going to be so when people ask me like hey i guess if you're trying to ask like is now a good time to buy or when's the best time to buy looking back it's always going to be yesterday no matter what like are you glad you bought this house yes yeah if you bought a house right now no matter what happens in the next several years because that line is always going up no matter what happens it's going to be the best investment you could because that's just supply and demand that's the way the world works and that's one of those things that's hard to understand unless you've experienced it. And when you tell the people, they're like, no, 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 my friend said this, or my friend said that. It's like, okay, well, does that friend own real estate? How much real estate do they own? How many houses do they own? How many times have they gone through that process? Have they ever bought a home and sold it? Have they ever done anything that you're thinking about you wanted to do? Mm -hmm. Or have they not done it? And because they haven't done it or didn't work out for them, they're projecting their you know, their life onto you because they don't want to see you do it. When, when I bought this house, I had never gone through the process. You know, it was, it was so foreign to me. I, it's foreign to everybody because no one, it, you don't buy houses every day. Right. It's still, like, I still don't know what the hell I did. You know, but I'd just, say you did okay. If you bought that many years ago, I'm sure you have yeah. equity, which is the whole yeah. goal of it. The whole point right. of it is with real estate, if you're planning on staying in one place, you got to sleep somewhere. You gotta stay somewhere. And unless you're living with friends or family, you're either gonna be renting that place you're staying at and staying safe in, or you're gonna start owning it. And so that's just the difference. Either way, someone's paying for that property. It's, or someone's paying the mortgage, either you or it's the person who owns Somebody, it. Somebody, yeah. 
And so why not give the person who owns it, yeah, over time there's cost involved. Let's just cost you the box then. Hey, I own this property and when the time comes to sell it, I'm going to make the money. I'm going to make the profit. It's it's a very big, it's a great teacher. But to, 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 to answer kind of what you said even more and going back to what we, to wrap up what you said earlier, there's so much information out there about the real estate process. That's what I want to put out there. I want to put these things that weren't out there 10, 15 years ago and everyone kind of just went word of mouth of how your parents did or how your friend did it or that one guy. Um, I want that information to be there so people go, oh, I didn't know there was these type of loans. I didn't know right. how it worked with um, if I was a veteran. I didn't know this kind of financing exists. I didn't know that, oh, man, so those appreciate faster than these. I've only ever bought cars and those always upside down. Yeah. There's so many different things about real estate that people just Exemptions and things of that. Yeah. Taxes. Like everyone hears things. But who are you hearing it from? Everyone's got an opinion. I can literally post an opinion about anything all the time. Mm-hmm. Does it mean I'm right? No. But there's some people that are, and those are the ones you gotta listen to. And I wanna be one of the pe- things I wanna be one of the people that people listen to because I've every dumb thing you can think someone might think about real estate, I've thought it. Yeah. Like I used to think, and this is one of the dumbest things that comes up in my memories and I leave it there. I had a post came up like fifteen years ago, so fourteen. And it was like when I very first, very first got Facebook that said, looking for a rent house, blah, blah, blah. Does anybody know anything? And someone in the comments goes, why are you renting? You should buy it. And I said, does anybody even actually pay off their house? Does anyone actually own their house? I sound like an idiot. Because when I first started real estate, never did I realize, yeah, there's tons of people that pay mm-hmm. off their house. There's tons of people that have houses free and clear and they make money by renting it out. Or one day it comes, like, hey, I'm going to sell this property, and they go make hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars. And I had never experienced that. I never seen anybody that had hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they sold a house that they've been living in for the last 10, 15 years, or sometimes sooner, because they know how to budget money better than I did. They knew how to you know, live within their means and save a little bit and put an extra payment. For me, when people say, like, oh, make an extra payment, I'm like, with what? <laughs> for what? <laughs> how and for what? Like, how am I? There's no extra payment here in my world. And so that's one of those things that real estate teaches you. Yeah. Uh, that actually, a lot of schools and friends when you're growing up just won't talk about. I didn't know I was actually ahead of my house payment. I just called them the other day to switch. Uh, homeowners insurance. Like, yeah, you're ahead. They're, they're going to charge you from November. I'm like, wait. Oh, you're talking about like on your uh, taxes? Or? Yeah, like on my mortgage. Oh, sure. I didn't know. I guess cool. I just made a payment a, a while back and I just paid two extra months. I'm like, well, the pandemic did one. This is the last thing I'll say. The pandemic did do a lot where people who thought it was impossible were given a gift. And that gift, sorry for the mic. No, you. That gift was interest rates went so low because for the first time ever, the Fed goes, hey, uh, I don't know what's happening. The world's kind of slowing down and shutting down. We want to. We don't want things to stop. This is the machine. We gotta keep going. And they lowered the interest rate so low where people had never seen that. So a lot of people jumped in. There's so many buyers during 2020, 2021 that they jumped in or refied because wow, I don't know if rates will be this low. So we were literally given a gift of interest rate below three percent. It was the cheapest time ever to borrow money if you wanted to borrow money to purchase a residential home or commercial or whatever. And so now interest rates are going back up a little bit. And the people who only got into this world a couple of years ago are like, oh my God, the interest rates are so high. And they're not. That's they're going back to they, normal. Where they used to be, yeah. Yeah. If you got in when it was under three, awesome. But don't scare the people that are buying at a right. regular rate because either way, even with that little bit of a higher percentage, over time, it's still going to keep going up. 
when when I was talking to the lender on the phone, she typed all of the information and she got my my interest rate. And then I heard her real quick, just kind of redo it all for you. Like on the phone, I could hear like, 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 she's like, oh wow, I guess it is this. Wow. Like you got a good rate. I was like, well, because it was for every, every, it was a gift, but it was also a shock to people that are in the real estate world. And here's what sucks. I remember making posts and I was like, hey, I'm not saying this to say it. I'm not trying to sell you. I'm telling you, I've never seen rates this low. So when you hear people say it, listen. And so now when rates go back up, I'm like, remember when we were all telling you, da, da, da? I was telling you because I was trying to tell you, like, this is something that doesn't happen all the time. You got to take advantage of it. And for me, I had no idea. But people were scared you know I mean? during that time. People were scared. Everyone had different stuff going on. A lot of people lost loved ones. Yeah. Um, and they weren't thinking about real estate. But then on the other end of it, there was a lot of people going, wow, I've never seen this. I'm going to take advantage of it. Same thing with like when, stocks and crypto and all these different things right, that yeah. had a huge dip. So the scared jumped in and scared. And they're the ones that profited and are going to profit. And the ones that were scared were just scared and stepped back. It was... It was a very scary thing, man, because I remember actually sending you a message on Facebook and I was like, hey, I think I might be ready to purchase a home. And then at that time I was making okay money and you sent me a list and I was looking through the house and I'm like, okay, maybe it's not, maybe not about the time. And then when my rent went up and I'm like, man, I've been paying this. That's the same thing. That's the same thing that drove us to buy a house. We're oh. like, we're paying rent. And I was like, yeah, it's going to go how much? Let me talk about it. Let me go look into this low Because at that time was when I really was starting to get into YouTube. So I was like, okay, if I can do 1700 bucks on a two-bedroom apartment. I can do 1700 bucks on a house. Yeah, and having to rent an extra garage so I can put all my YouTube stuff in and record my video in a garage where reverb is <laughs> horrible. And there's sound bouncing everywhere. There's cars driving, and I'm sweaty because it's a garage. Yeah. There's no ventilation. Why are you to be buying a house? And you were the, actually, I think I'm pretty sure that you were the one that told me that. I was like, dude, you could be paying that on a house right now. I was like, you know what? There's, I think a lot of people associate people that do real estate or realtors like, oh yeah, they, of course they hate renting. I don't hate renting. I think it's it's an important thing that some people should consider if they're in a position in their life where maybe they don't have a family, they're not trying to plant roots, they don't know if next week they're gonna be in a different city or a different state. Yeah, by all means, it doesn't make any sense to commit to something here, unless you know, maybe I got a little bit, like I have a lot of guys that are military, right? And they'll purchase a home with the intention of like, hey, in a couple of years, I'm probably gonna rent it out. I was like, cool. I go, but if you're using your VA loan to hold the thing, um, you're gonna have to sell it to get something else. But I think now people know that there's options whenever you have a property, you can rent it out, you can refinance, you can do all these different things that before people didn't know that. So the idea of committing to a home or a purchase was very scary compared to, or I can just rent this for a little bit, if I need to bail, I'm gonna bail. I don't have to worry about it. Sure. But they did that without thinking or knowing, hey, it's not as difficult as it is. We have someone that knows that world or someone in your life Talk to that person, they'll tell you what to do. It's people that didn't want to ask questions, that didn't want to commit. Yeah. Think about it. So when I, I have a friend, I don't know if you, we can talk about her after we, we finish, because she's also a real estate agent. Talk um, about it. <laughs> talk about it. Uh, her name is Laura Miller. You know okay. Laura? Um, so I don't know how common this is, because to her it was completely alien. We, She called me and she's like, hey, 
There's a house. It's gonna go on the market tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let's go look at it. So we came here, we looked at the house and everything. She's like, okay. So at 8 a.m., bright and early, I called. I went through the process of putting in, bidding the house, put mm -hmm. the bid in. 10 minutes later, I got the call. They accepted it. And then I called Laura, she's like, what? Mm -hmm. That quickly? So let me ask question, was it on the market? Or was it, did she know the sellers? It had, it had it hit the market that morning, 8 a.m., uh -huh. it called well, at 8 a.m. Another, hmm? With another realtor. Dude. So whenever whenever a deal goes on the market, there's a realtor called a listing agent, and the listing agent's the one that knows the seller. Like, in other words, if you tell me right now, hey, I want to sell your house, cool, I'm going to represent you as the seller, and I'm going to give you mm -hmm. the listing agent. And then whenever you come to me and you don't own a home, you're like, hey, I want to find a home, I'm the buyer's agent. I'm helping someone find Okay, so Laura was my, my agent, the buyer's agent. Okay, so uh, then she yeah. knew about it. Because a lot of times what will happen is, and to answer your question, no, it doesn't sound alien at all, not in my world. Mm. Because in my world, if I'm looking for something and I go show a house and I call the seller's agent and I say, hey, my client's like this house, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, that one just went under contract. Oh, but okay. another agent in my office, or I have another listing coming up on da da da, -da street in Portland, um, if you know anybody. So then I go, hold on, who do I know? Or, yeah, my client would love that. Can I be one of the first person to see it? They're like, yeah, my person's really wanting. They're not going to mess around. Mm -hmm. They drove by. They're in love with it. That happens quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And if anything, that's how most people get those deals because as a real estate agent, her job and my job and everybody that does real estate successfully, your job is connect the dots. So like, if somebody has a house that isn't on the market, but I know it'd be a perfect fit for some new buyers I have, I'll call them up. Hey, I know this is crazy. Do you want to sell your house? And there's been a lot of times, especially with the market as crazy as it's been, or I've put online, I'm looking for A, B, C, D with a pool. And A, B, C, D owner with a pool calls me and say, hey, what, what are those clients really looking to spend? I'm like, well, your house is worth this much. They're around here. Can we work out a deal? And sometimes deals get connected like that where they don't even go on the market. Because it just felt like um, during the pandemic, even maybe, because I don't know exactly what happened, but the, the it was a seller's market, right? The sellers were dictating. So... Typically, we're usually in a seller's market. That's just inventory purposes, um, despite what people think. We're usually in a seller's market. During 2020, um, it was still a seller's market, mostly because inventory is still really low. Even with as many buyers as we had, there was plenty of sellers who were like, hey, I'm with my house in the market. And for what people were looking for, all those buyers. So a seller's market is whenever there's low inventory. Mm -hmm. A buyer's market is when there's an influx of inventory everywhere in it. There's just like, nah, I'm going to keep looking. So there's limited inventory, right? So seller's market, limited inventory. And if I put a house in the market, there's 20 couples that want that house. So you get multiple offers, everyone going over what your asking price is. That's a seller's market. Mm -hmm. Was that, did you feel like the, the pandemic changed any of that or just kind of remained the same? Beforehand, it was a seller's market. During the pandemic, it was a huge seller's market. <laughs> and now we're going back to still a regular seller's market. Okay, so it's still, for people that are wanting to sell houses right now, probably a good time to do it if you're wanting to? It depends on what you have. So, like, I could say yes, but you might have a million-dollar property where the window of buyers, the market of buyers is very, very small. Mm -hmm. Mostly because if you have a million-dollar property, there's only so many people that can afford that. And two, if people have a million dollars to spend, they can either probably get whatever they want or build whatever they want. And so people also that build million dollar properties, build it, customize exactly what they right. want because they have the money to do so. 
Um, and people that have it are like, well, that's your million dollar house. I want my million dollar house. So that's a hard thing with real estate when it comes to like luxury real estate. There's a lot of properties that people have which are beautiful, but it's not what someone else with the same kind of money would want. So ideally, when you have like, for example, South Side, three bedroom, two bath, and it's in this school district, everyone's like, that's the price that I can afford. So think like this, here's your windows of buyers or something like that. And then as prices of homes go up, so do the buyers because there's only so many people that have that kind of money. So do would you say that um, only, not only, because only just people like you just close everything up. So would it be more beneficial for you to build your own house if you're really sure that that's going to be a place you're going to be in for a long, long time? Not at all. I would tell, if I could tell, like if everyone listening right now is my best friend and they're like, hey, I need real estate advice. I would say, cool, is it your first house? And if they said, yeah, I'd say buy whatever you can, new construction within your budget, live there for two years. And even if it doesn't have the yard you want, even if it's right next to their house and everyone's thinking like, oh my God, they're right next to each other. I'm like, you're in an apartment. There's a wall between you and them. Right. Yeah. Um, buy the most affordable new construction you can. Here's why. Even if you're only going to be there two years, that house will appreciate faster than if you were to go buy a house that's previously off. Always. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. It's supply and demand. It's a newer home. It's going to go up in appreciation faster because say you have a home that's 20 years old, that home over the years has gone up to a certain price point. But then it plateaus there. So if you, as a buyer, go buy this house at that price point, it's only going to inch up a little bit. It's already reached the top of the hill. Mm. It's right there. It's not going to go that much more because it's going to go over an age, the roof, the AC, foundation. It starts to deteriorate, just like anything else. Right. So when you buy a new construction home, it's essentially starting down here, and it starts going up. Mm. So for anybody, no matter what, I don't care what you think, go buy a new construction if it's your very first house. It's going to appreciate faster. The reason I bring that up is because since it's appreciating faster and more over the next two to five years, when it's time to grow, maybe you need more space for your family, maybe you just particularly want more space or a new house or something different, you're going to have more equity and appreciation to take and roll into the next one. That's what I would suggest. So what? how does it work then, for example, this neighborhood here in particular that I'm, that I'm living in, this was up. Before all of these brand new houses that you probably drove through mm -hmm. uh, are being built now, how does that help a homeowner in a home like this that is having all of these new houses being built around? How does that work in your benefit, or, or if it does? It helps all? because it creates a demand for the area, and the prices going up help your prices going up. However, those are newer houses, so like even though they have the same number of bathrooms and beds. It's a newer home, so the price point's going to be different than these homes. And so it's hard to get this up to the same point, but it does help you bring it up a little bit. It's like having a new, brand new shiny toy. Mm -hmm. You're going to want that versus the... Yeah, it's like, hey, you want to be in the area by those schools? Because whenever you see new development, and that's a trick too, that whenever you see new construction, the person who's building those homes, the developer who's developing that land, they didn't just throw a dart and go, hey, we're going to build over there. They know where the city's growing. They know where the schools are growing. They know how the city is moving because they're in that world of people who are stamping their approval, yes, you can go do this. Or, hey, we want to do this. They know, is this a smart idea? Should I build these houses in the middle of nowhere? Like, would it make any sense for a developer to go, hey, I want to build houses. Where? Anywhere. And they're like, cool, there's plenty of land for cheap out here. 
It's like, well, wait, if I build them out there, no one's going to live out there because no one wants to go out there. There's nothing moving in that direction. There's no new steel plant. There's not an Exxon. There's not a. Mm. There's not all these different things, kind of like the way you've seen out here. So when the developers are developing new construction, they are doing it with millions of dollars that they're putting up on their behalf to do those things. They're not just doing it just to do it. They know where things are going. So follow that, and you're always going to be ahead. Like, go that direction. But some people are like, no, I don't want to do that. Mm. Okay. Then do whatever you want to do and see how that works out. I, 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 that's, that's literally the real estate hack right there. That is the real estate hack. But people don't want to see it that way. They want to feel like they know more than people who did it. Dude, you're, you're such like a large pool of information when it comes to real estate. <laughs> if people want to find out more about you and where to find you, where can you do that? Literally type in the Gino Montalvo anywhere. You can go to TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, what else do I have? Um, what about the podcast? Podcast, Gino's Tables. You go to Spotify, type my name, same thing. Everyone, everything's behind my name. Um, mostly because I've always just used that. I never had like a radio name. I never had like a nickname or a stage name. It's always like just Gino Montalvo. So yeah, if you go to Spotify, type Gino Montalvo. Gino's Tables is the name of it. Remember I told you a while ago, I didn't want to do real estate. I literally have these old tables I built with my dad when we built our office. And it's just an old table I have. People come in, they sign the table now. Uh, that's cool it's just not like surf club you know they go, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. some people don't know like it's called that because that's what we're doing it and i think everybody has something to bring to the table i like you yourself you've done so much you give so much out that i want to see what it is i want to see what everybody brings to the table cool man well i appreciate you coming here dude it's it's been a real pleasure my little friend uh, she's <laughs> over there she likes to be by the window and watch for the squirrels hey, oh there she yeah, is hey you're back we're calling you dude Thank this you so fun, much. Uh, this is, hey, I this wish was you the best. Thanks for letting me be the first. Yeah. And uh, I say keep the dogs out of here. This, this <laughs> is going to be their show now. Though. Hey, Dad. They, they might. They might. Let's, let's see how popular show. they become, right? Very yeah. easy. They're not going to be as nice as me, either. <laughs> <laughs> Thank awesome. you guys so much for watching. I appreciate it. Um, once again, go find Gino online. He's everywhere. Gino's table. Gino real estate. Gino in Australia is stranded. <laughs> Gino everywhere, man. Oh, dude, you Google me, you can find some funny stuff. <laughs> my, my kids do all the time. It's hilarious. All right, see you guys later. Have Bye. a good one. Bye. See you later.